This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you you bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. All right, and welcome in to another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dan Matthews. Thank you all for joining us here as we get ready for week eight in college football. Chris, I believe my calculations are right. Week eight, we are finally to it. Gosh, it just goes faster and faster every year. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it goes really quick. There's no question about it. The The season takes a while to get here for a lot of folks, a lot of us. It, uh, it goes pretty quick, no question about it. And uh, kind of a maybe a softer schedule, but yet some pivotal games still around the country. And uh, certainly we're going to break down all the games inside the league and go around on uh, all the latest. And still a lot of good football left. There's no question about it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of good football left this week. Next week, I mean, you know, a lot of it outside of the conference as well. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But a little bit of a lighter schedule this week as one of the top teams in the conference, Georgia, is not playing. Florida not playing either. Customary bye week for both of them before they head down to Jacksonville next week. Next week, it's going to be LSU and Alabama off as they get their customary bye week for their very first weekend in November that they play each other. You can follow us on Twitter, by the way. He is at Landry Football. I am at Dan Matthews ATL, 1TN Matthews. Yes, ATL, of course, uh, here in Atlanta. We are Braves crazy, as uh, that is uh, a lot of things that is uh, keeping a lot of people's minds in addition to football as well. And uh, also this show right here, SEC Football and Beyond. We appreciate you all 
tuning in on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry football every Monday and Thursday. And then every Tuesday and Friday, we appreciate you all who download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast needs. That is how you can find SEC football and beyond. Chris, let's get right into the news and notes before we get into the schedule of the week. How about Kirby Smart during the bye week? Some coaches decide we'll practice until Thursday, send everybody on their way. They get to go back to their former high schools and go to the games, see the family, come back, usually a meeting on Sunday night, and then you get into game week prep, but not Kirby Smart in his coaching staff. They are out there working on the recruiting trail. Georgia getting two huge defensive line commitments. Like they need even more help on the defensive line in the near future for the class of 2022. Michael Williams, who was committed to go to USC and also they get four-star bear Alexander who comes back to the class. Chris, he was originally a Texas product who many thought was going to go to Texas A&M and is now playing at IMG Academy. But uh, let's start with Williams first, Chris. Six foot five, 265 pounds, five star according to 24 7 Sports. Alexander, six foot three, 325, a four star. With these two commitments now, 24 7 has the dogs as their number one class of 2022. That is 21 commitments for Kirby Smart and his coaching staff. Alexander's got really good first step. Uh, I think he bends very well. I think he's got some good ability to rush from the inside and outside. I think he's got growth room. You know, his shoulders are wide. He can, he can put on another 10, 15 pounds. Um, it, I, you know, it looks a lot like some of the guys that they have playing right now for the Bulldogs. And then Alexander is really intriguing because he's a, he's a, big young man he's an interior power player that you know can really be physical at the point of attack be a do got two got player push the pocket um just two outstanding players now the big thing is you never know is you you hope these kids can develop and settle and have the right mindset they've done their homework on the football character the personal character that they're there a few years from now i was doing a you know some um, analysis on Alabama's defensive front because people were talking about how well Will Anderson is playing, but they're not the typical depth. And, you know, Alabama's kind of the, the gold standard for recruiting. But if you look, they've got like five guys over the past several years that were kind of the same type of guys, four- and five-star guys that are not even on the team. So even the best of the best recruiting sometimes miss. Not suggesting these guys are going to miss. fact, quite the opposite these are the type of the guys that you like to get but you just never know love the look of both of these guys on film yeah speaking of Alabama you said something really interesting earlier this week on the Chuck Oliver show which of course those of you listen to the Chuck Oliver show every day download the Southern Sports Today app to catch the show live 11 to 1 Eastern and uh, I you know speaking of Will Anderson that's how it came up was about the comparisons with uh, Alabama and another program right now that seems to be benefiting. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, Gators uh, yet to commit to a starting quarterback this uh, week for their game next week against UGA down in Jacksonville. It's between, of course, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Uh, Chris, I've got to believe that Dan Mullen's going to have a real hard time explaining sending Emory Jones out there over Anthony Richardson. It has to make you believe after the performance last week against LSU, it needs to be Anthony Richardson. 
Well, and, you know, I think that we're going to have to wait and see. I don't have a problem with him not naming it. I I have more of a problem if he doesn't start, because I don't think he has to announce it. Um, but I think if he is still getting equal reps and it's going that way, I think then, yeah, that could be a potential problem. Look, I, I said it uh, earlier. Um, look, Dan coaches these guys he knows, and so I don't want to disrespect that. I just – all I know is just on film – what I would say is that Anthony Richardson has the upside that probably should be developed a little bit more. And I think there's more that you can untap there with him. And that's probably at least on what I know and what I've seen the direction I would be gone, but he's either not doing it because he's seeing something that I'm not seeing because he's coaching him every day or is he just so darn stubborn? And if it's the the big if if it's the, if it's the 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 latter, I got a problem with it. It's the former. Hey, that's a football decision. But I think people are afraid that it's the latter. How weird is it to think, Chris, that if next week goes the way that people believe it will between Georgia and Florida, that Dan Mullen in his last eleven games could be four and seven, four and it's- seven in his last eleven games. Yeah, and look, I you know was was then engaged in the conversation, and and just just the overall my overall thoughts on that is look, Dan has got to make some harsh decisions, and if you want to spin it positively, there's they've fallen short enough towards the end of last year and this year. For Dan, I said this on the show on the show this morning, Dan is needs to be humbled enough to recognize that there needs to be substantive changes on how he's doing things. And if he takes the attitude, you know, that I'm the smartest guy in the room and I've had, you know, and he starts to kind of float his name out or, or if he wants to, you know, go somewhere else. And I don't think he would leave money on the table and go for, for someplace else. Look, if he wanted to, if he wants to have a developmental program, to where he's not recruiting the elite of the elite, but he wants to be the genius coach or he's hailed as a genius coach that can win with less talent, then, you know, he shouldn't have taken Florida's money and the job. And I know you're going to take the money, of course, but the point is, is then he is not going to be a fit at Florida because the expectation is the same as it is at Georgia. Recruit elite players and you better develop them. And if you don't do those two things very effectively, then um, the roses, you know, the bloom is coming off the rose there and, and your reputation's going to take a hit. So it's time for his ego to get in check. And he realizes, look, I've got to make some substantive changes. It's probably going to come with a new defensive coordinator. And I've got to look at what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And I've maybe got to make some changes on the staff to not reduce our ability to develop players but get better recruiters because if we don't have top five recruiters, you know, I'm only going to be as good as the players I can recruit. And if I'm not recruiting elite players, we're not going to be an elite program. And anything short of that, you're going to be the ex-coach of the Florida Gators a year or two from now if you don't fix the problem because he's going to get a chance to fix it. And it's up to him. He can change the narrative on this. It is up to him. He is very capable. He's a very good coach. But if this ego gets in the way, see this with coaches before. I've been around them. 
I think coaches, believe it or not, Dan, that didn't want a player, even in the NFL, drafted very high because the higher you draft a player at their position, the more pressure's on them, and the less it's about their great coaching and the more it's about how good the player is. Telling gotcha. you, it's, it's really – these are human beings, and there's a lot of ego, and it's a lot of it's about me. It's not about you. You're the leadership, and you got to take hold of it. And I think that's my view on Dan, and it's, uh, I'm a little bit concerned because I think he can be the right guy for this job. But I, at this point, I think there's a big question mark about that, and only he can answer it. All right, let's move on to our final news and note item, and that is a coach, Chris, who has probably seen the last of himself in college football. That is Jeremy Pruitt, formerly of Tennessee, and his attorney has set a deadline for the school to reach a statement with him by October 29th, so about a week from tomorrow. If they don't, then they're going to get sued, and according to him, it would include details of a myriad of NCAA rules violations in the football program and other sports result in debilitating NCAA sanctions. This according to Michael Lyons, who is Pruitt's attorney out of Dallas. In his letter to Tennessee, he said it could, quote, ensnare the parties for years to come, impugn the university's reputation further, and potentially cripple the athletic program for years. So remember, too, Lyons also represented Kansas coach David Beatty after the school tried to withhold buyout money from him uh, by saying that he committed level two violations within the NCAA, they eventually settled for a little over uh, $2.5 million. I think, look, I, it doesn't, for a layman here, as a football guy here, it, it doesn't look legally, and I don't know anything about the law, but it just doesn't look like there's much of a case here. But, you know, what I am sensing very strongly is this is what uh, Mr. Lyons, the attorney, if there's enough of a threat, he may be able to get some money out of it. So in other words, if there's $12 million, would Tennessee be willing to, and I'm not saying that they are, and I'm not saying that they should, but if he, if there are things that he does know that he could potentially spill the beans on, is it worth a couple of million to Tennessee? Because normally these things go into a settlement and they say, look, uh, we'll sue, we'll do this. And, and there may not be a case, but if you have to get outside legal help, that may cost you money. It may cost you the same amount of money. Uh, do you have a non-disclosure agreement to say, look, we need to make sure that any type of settlement doesn't go public and we just agree that there's a non-disclosure and their money that changes hands because we don't want to set a precedent that somebody can can come and do this all the time but but one of the things i wonder and i think this is maybe um mr lines's new new form of legal term is let's just go ahead and we know stuff that you don't want out give us some money and let's talk it, it obviously saying it in a different way i'm wondering if it leads to anything, maybe nothing. Um, but I don't know that there's much of a case here. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you said, I mean, me and you, neither of us went to law school. Got family members who did, but not I. I decided to talk into a microphone for a living. So uh, we'll leave uh, that uh, expertise to them. Uh, let's get to the games this week uh, that we have. Uh, like you said, uh, still decent games out there, uh, but nothing – 
that is going to be just a marquee matchup. But we'll start first with uh, LSU at Ole Miss. The Rebels for this one, a nine-point favorite. We might not see Matt Corral in this one, Chris. But also, too, as well, LSU last week, I think here is something to keep an eye on. They ran for over 320 yards against Florida. Ole Miss gave up over 220 yards to Tennessee in this game. How could we see this matchup play out? Could we see LSU continue to stay committed to the run, especially when you factor in maybe or maybe not Matt Corral might be out there, but that Lane Kiffin can still put up some points? They better stay committed to the run. and Because, I, I, A, I think you can run the football on Ole Miss. B, you don't want to get in a shootout with Ole Miss. If they get into a shootout against Ole Miss and they put this defense on the field against Ole Miss, this is going to be a beatdown. Because Ole Miss can score, can score a lot, and I do think Matt Corral is going to play. Um, I, I think they can move the football even with, with Luke Altmar, but I think Corral's going to play. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's just – I'd be shocked, and there, the injury is a lot more serious. He he will play if it's just he's banged up. He'll tough it out. He's that type of guy. Now, if there's something significant, I think we would have heard to where he's he's medically got to be held up. But if he's cleared, he's going to play. They can't get into a shootout. They are not built that way. And I think the only way is if they're able to run the football. And, again, I think you can run it on Ole Miss. you got to stay patient with it. I think a couple of things that they did last week um, – Florida was very late to adjust to and really never did. But a a lot of the counter stuff and a lot of the jumbo looks, they went heavy jumbo a lot, which is basically 12, a heavy 12, you know, uh, personnel, which is one back, two tight ends. But they put a tackle in a tight end position and they ran a lot of power and they had success with it. And Aaron Davis price ran very, very well. That's going to have to continue. I think Max Johnson can make some plays in the passing game, but I don't think there's enough there to be able to compete with Ole Miss and try to outscore. And I think they've got to run the football. And uh, I think we're going to see more of a committed effort to it. Now, here's where it becomes a problem is if Ole Miss gets out to an early lead, you, you tend to not be as patient with the run if you're down 17 points. That's where I think the game could get ugly. So I think LSU's got a shot, but their shot comes with their running game and their running game success. Can it be sustained long enough? Not sure that's going to be the case. And let's remind folks that may not follow it. Boutte's out. I mean, it's just there's not a whole lot there that they can really rely on. They've got some good receivers. Max Johnson can still make plays. I don't know that Ole Miss is going to be able to get, you know, a ton of pass rush. So I think you can make some plays in the passing game, but this is a game that Ole Miss is not, you know, they, they really want to win big. I think Lane wants to win it for a number of reasons. Uh, They're on to a really good season. He's trying to, you know, to get things, you know, the tough win last week and move on. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt that, that, that he'd like to win this. They've not had as much success uh, against LSU. So I think that this is a, this is a big game for them. Uh, and I think they'll uh, they'll probably come through here. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, some injuries on the offensive side. I mean, just injuries across the board for LSU. Also have to believe, too, Chris, that a big thing for them is going to be they've got to get their defensive hands on footballs, too, if they want to have a chance in this game. They probably do have to get a turnover or two and give their offense another chance in a short field. They do, and, you know, they're down a number of guys in that area as well. So that's going to be something that um, it's not been a strength 
uh, you can you can throw the football on this LSU you know defense right now, which is something that um, you know most people didn't anticipate. But when you're talking about your you know four uh, maybe the four top players on your defense that are out, so up front and on the back end they're not as good creating pressure and they're not as good as making plays on the ball. All right, let's move over to a noon game. It's going to be Arkansas hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff. Not a bad respite for Arkansas to be able to get off of the trend that they were on with the tough games and that stretch that they had with uh, losses in there to uh, Georgia and Alabama. Uh, But now they get uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff at home. Should be an easy win for the Razorbacks after three straight in the loss column. Yeah, no no doubt about it. you know, they're beat up. Arkansas's beat up. And, you know, you look at them, and it's one of the things that when we looked at them and, and people were getting excited about it, rightly so. I mean, Arkansas, great start. But you start to look at a team like that that's that's good, that's physical, that plays physical, but you know they're not as deep. You wonder how they're going to work through the season and come out of it Um as sharp, as as powerful through the meat of the schedule, which we knew we were going to get tough. And, you know, you had a loss and a loss and a loss. And now it's about getting healthy for the stretch run and see what's going on the rest of the game. Um, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff just doesn't do anything. They can't throw the football. So this is just kind of a rest game. Arkansas wins, wins going away. You know, um, it's it's like having a bye week, a mini bye week, so to speak. That it's a it's a scrimmage. It gave some guys some extra time off. So uh, it's about to stretch run for them and see what they can do uh, in the last couple of games to finish out. Which you know I still think is an outstanding season for Arkansas. They got uh, LSU. Um, excuse me. They've got uh, you know, they got the Mississippi State before LSU and then Alabama. So uh, obviously. Uh, finishing strong in the conference is, is something that they really need to do. To They wouldn't want to mess this season up by, say, losing one or two of those last three games. Yeah, I mean, and then also, too, of course, that uh, final game at uh, Missouri to end the season. So unless things completely go sideways for this right. Arkansas Razorbacks team, got to believe we're looking at at least a seven-win football team, and that would get you in the bowl season. And I think for a guy like Sam Pittman, who is – trying to add to the recruiting of the program and building up the program as many games as possible to get that program on television. is huge for them. So they are definitely uh, looking forward to that opportunity. A loss to Ole Miss as well. And kind of to, uh, to go back uh, just slightly, Chris, to the uh, Ole Miss LSU game, Ole Miss not completely out of the running for the SEC West either. So, you know, I, I think that that's another reason too to really be uh, jazzed up for that game against uh, LSU because, you went out and somebody trips up Alabama the rest of the way. Maybe it's you going to Atlanta to take on Georgia and not the Crimson Tide. You never know. At least and, give yourself and, an opportunity. And I would say this for the boost. It, it, let's make the assumption that that doesn't happen because likelihood of it happening is not realistic. I would just say finishing off strong, um, you know, obviously taking care of business against LSU in Auburn and, you know, Liberty. Got AM, Vandy, and Mississippi State. How about just finishing second in the West would be huge yeah. and staying ahead of AM and you know how that game comes out certainly depends also on how you have go have going into it. But I think that would be huge. Uh, to finish second um at this stage is huge. And let's let's not be let's not kid ourselves that 
Um, I know the Ole Miss fans don't want to hear it, and I don't know that really pertains to the LSU job. But, you know, Lane has his sights on something bigger and better uh, long term. And I don't know that the timing's right, but, you know, there's more money and there's more security down the road somewhere else. The state of Mississippi's got that unique state law where you, you, a, a state employee can only have a four-year contract, which mm-hmm. is kind of difficult, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a, a head coach at an Ole Miss. It does, does cause problem. Uh, I, I just think that don't – you won't hear it. You won't hear it even suggested, but I'm telling you, knowing him – that his whole, you know, mo of of making sure that the 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 star is shining bright with him in terms of a coaching prospect somewhere else, uh, finishing this season strong and maybe finishing ahead of a Jimbo Fisher, that 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 would be a feather in his cap. And look, it's not every year you're going to have a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, and I think he's got a lot going for it. No doubt about it. We'll see how it all plays out for him and the Rebels to close out the season. Four o'clock, we're going to have Mississippi State at Vanderbilt. Should not be tough for Mississippi State. They're favored by 20 and a half. Uh, The offense struggling a little bit last week. They did put up yards, just not points. Only nine points against Alabama. Sacked seven times was Will Rogers. Also intercepted three times against the Crimson Tide. Yeah, you know, this this Vanderbilt team's really bad. They played South Carolina very comfortably. Um, you know, Will Rogers has played well, except for the Alabama game. Go figure. But, you know, they their 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 season has been built, Mississippi State, on beating NM. Um, you know, you really look at it, it's been nondescript. It's this doesn't look like a team that week in and week out is they they've been pretty steady, but early part of the season, not all that good. I, I just this is another case of where do you really stack up? And, you know, I, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the year, didn't we, that, that the West was going to be competitive. And the bottom of the West is not going to be very bad, but somebody's going to finish at the bottom and somebody's not going to be happy. Some fan base is not going to be happy. And, and I think Mississippi State may be one of them. Not here this week. They'll take care of business. They'll get this done. But, you know, they've got Kentucky. Arkansas, Auburn, and then Ole Miss. They've got Tennessee State before Ole Miss. You know, that that's going to define their season. This game is just don't avoid a collapse. You lose a game like this, now I'm telling you, this would be worse than having blown the game to Louisiana Tech week one. Because, you know, I mean, as bad as that would have been, that is like, hey, you know what, we, we blew the game week one. You know, lose a bad team in the West like, uh, in the East, like Vanderbilt, this this would be a really bad loss. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's it's one of those things where I think Mike is – there's the people that thought Mike Leach was going to have a huge impact. I was not one of them. Uh, I, I think are seeing that you, what you see is what you get with them, and I don't think you're going to see a whole lot more than that. But this is a this is a game in which you just take care of business and score a bunch of points and prove your might by margin of victory. All right, let's move on to Tennessee at Alabama, third Saturday in October, a night game for this one. Bama, 25-point favorite for this one, bouncing back last week over Mississippi State, 49-9. to This is one more, Chris, before they head into a bye week. I think the question coming into this is we saw 
how Tennessee played offensively last week against Ole Miss. Not a great defense, but still able to move the football and able to use some of that pace to disrupt some of the things that the Rebels were trying to do defensively. Could we see Hinton Hooker and this offense be able to, at least if nothing else, keep it below that 25 and kind of challenge this Alabama defense? Perhaps. I think we'll see. I think the game plan defensively for Alabama will be very reminiscent of the defensive game plan they had for Ole Miss. We'll see how effectively they can execute it. Um, just because you got the same game plan and you run a lot of the same things, um, how effective will you be doing it? But the same issues are going to apply. Tennessee's going to run, going to want to have, you know, 90 plus snaps. That's, that's what, that's what they want to do. Uh, and if they can do that and, and, you know, pace Alabama a little bit, you know, and score some points. Um, yeah, it could get interesting. Look, this, for a great rivalry game over the years, it just, it has been a dog of a game. I mean, it's just, I think they're running out of cigars for, for, for the, for the tide to smoke. That's the old tradition yeah. uh, of the winning team. I, I just, there's really not much there. Um, it's all about Alabama and Alabama's focus. They dominate this game uh, or they, as, as well as they did against Ole Miss or not based upon how they play. And what's their motivation? I think it tells us a lot about Alabama. For Tennessee, uh, they're not quite ready yet, and you know to to get there. Look, I'm I'm looking at this Tennessee team, and and you can make the case that that Ole Miss has got more talent, and Tennessee at home in an emotional game, no doubt, played toe to toe with Ole Miss, and I think that's a positive sign that offensively. Josh can really work things, and this is going to be fun for the Vol fans. They've been beaten down so much that at least they've got a good offense to build around. I don't think the defense is going to ever be what they want, so I think four years from now they're still winning eight games, you know, which probably is not going to be good enough for them. It wasn't good enough for Butch Jones, and I think that's where they're going to be. Let's let's We'll deal with that on the show about four years from now. We'll, we'll make a note of that, would you? But I think this is one of those games in which, you know, at least they can move the football some. Can they get some points? But I think Alabama is going to do a lot of what they did, not only defensively against Ole Miss, but what they did offensively. You're going to see a lot of running of the football against Tennessee, and I think the the variable for how close this game and how competitive this game could be or how decisive it could be really comes down to how Tennessee can get off the field defensively. I mean, can they make enough plays defensively? Can they be really aggressive with their run blitzes? Can they compress the pocket a little bit against, against Bryce Young? I mean, those are the things that could maybe create an extra possession each half that maybe could make this game a little bit more fun. And you turn around and you say, wow, they scored 30 points against his Alabama defense and drive them nuts. But that's kind of how I see it. I, I see it as a, it's all about Alabama here and what they're able to do and how they're willing to play it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think the key thing is how many points can Tennessee score? What's the over and under on how many points Tennessee scores? I say 21. And, okay. and I'm curious on that. Now, Alabama has won 14 straight. 14 straight in this matchup. Think about that. 14 straight games in a what was a was in the Bear Bryant era 
in that era, it's not Auburn, folks, for the younger crowd. It's the Tennessee game was the biggest rival. It was they battled recruiting battles in those days, and on the field, it was Tennessee and Bama. It was Bama and Tennessee, and it was, you know, it's it's always been that way, 14 straight, 14 straight wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has been as one-sided as one-sided could be, and by the way, too, I made a note over here four years from now, October 21st, we will, <laughs> we, we will uh, revisit and see where uh, Josh Heifel's program is. If indeed, uh, maybe they are still at that plateau. But uh, yeah, it is. It has not been the Tennessee, Alabama, Alabama, Tennessee of your third Saturday in October. Now, I think, Chris, it's pretty much become a, oh, yeah, they're playing Alabama this weekend. Or, yeah, they're playing Tennessee. That's pretty much what it's become, especially for the Alabama fan base, because they go in there just thinking, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I went, it was on my scouting regimen. I, you know, uh, I, I it, every, every year, you know, for the longest time, you know, you, you, you obviously, you ha- it's where you, where you are that particular week in scouting. It's how you make your schedule. But I, I, this was a religious, I went to, I don't know how many straight, third Saturday in October, Alabama, Tennessee games in Legion field. It was just kind of a standard, uh, was, was always there. And, um, of course they don't play at Legion field, um, is, is, is just, is decrepit now, but Chuck it's talks about it all the time. Just, it just, uh, it was a thing. It was a thing to do. It was, it had the feel it, it, in a different feel than say, the cocktail party because that was more of what happened, but it it had that feel of that that big game moment. Um, yeah. It really did, and and it, it just it hasn't been that way for a long long time. Yeah, Chuck talks about that all the time on the show about how it used to be if it was a huge game, you didn't play it in Tuscaloosa, you didn't play it in Auburn, you didn't play it in Knoxville, you played it there at Legion Field. So uh, gone are those times, that is for sure. Final one of the uh, SEC slate this week, Chris. 7.30 SEC Saturday night. Tom Hart, Cole Kubelik, Jordan Rogers, our good buddies there on that broadcast with SEC Network. Aggies are a 19-point favorite for their game hosting South Carolina. Really good last couple of weeks, although last week, Zach Calzada not looking as sharp throwing the football against Missouri. No, I, you know, a lot of it, though, was um... – the offensive line, the protection took a pass protection, took a step back. I thought Missouri was very aggressive, and I, I didn't think, you know, they did all that good. I didn't think the receivers did a good job getting open. And Zach missed quite a few reads. And, you know, a lot of <clears throat> what AM is trying to do and when they've had success, even against Alabama, and the turnaround and is running the football. And when they didn't have success and they struggled, you know, like against Mississippi State, they, they couldn't run the football well enough. Um, I thought the running game really controlled the game against Missouri, and that was the difference. So, uh, I, it was it was a big advantage. Missouri, while they got off the ball some in the against the pass, they couldn't get off blocks and defend the run whatsoever. So, I think it's more the same now. We'll say this: I do think South Carolina is a smidge better on defense. In fact, I think defensively at times they've been able to hold their own. So there's maybe a little bit of a chance on the road here that maybe South Carolina, you know, with their defensive front, 
playing like they are, can keep this game close for a little bit. Um, but, you know, the 4-3 and three South Carolina record is not a good indicator. I mean, this South Carolina team really was fortunate to beat Vanderbilt. I think in the end, I think and, um, it, whether they play well, whether they play good, very good, average, that's going to only determine the margin of victory here. I don't see this being like a danger of being upset at all. Uh, I think this is more like it was against Missouri. I actually think Missouri's got a better offense than South Carolina, so I don't know where South Carolina gets the points against his Aggie defense. So I think it's another win for the Aggies. They just kind of cruise along, but I am curious to see what the offensive line, how the Aggies' offensive line responds this week against a South Carolina defensive front that's better than Missouri's was. So that's what I'm kind of looking at. Cause when I look at the Aggies, I'm curious about, you know, Auburn and Miss and Ole Miss and, and even LSU, um, you know, th- that's three games that are no givens for the Aggies. I mean, I think there's an expectation now cause they beat Alabama that it's a given that they're going to win them out. I like the chances against Auburn and Ole Miss. I mean, I do, but I, you know, I think Ole Miss is very capable of beating. Auburn yeah. can play them very closely. You know, I don't know if LSU can beat them, but I wouldn't rule it out uh, at yeah. LSU. I mean, this is the last game. Uh, they got Prairie View, you know. I'm not talking sure. that. But this is the last game in which I can say they'll win it even if they don't play well. But they got three games in the league, uh, you know, against West teams that they've got to play well to win. And, uh, so I'm curious to see how they build into that. Real quick, before we uh, get to the mailbag uh, with uh, A&M, I mean, how uh, huge of an impact have Achain and Spiller been for Calzada in this A&M offense? It's, it's, the whole, how, it's how Jimbo runs his offense. It's built around the run game, and those two backs are outstanding. And I think the, the problems they've had early is when they couldn't establish the run, they couldn't create run creases, and it causes a lot of problems. The, re- the biggest reason – why Jimbo has had success with quarterbacks at, at, I mean, everywhere he's been as an assistant coach and certainly at, at Florida state and at A&M it's the running game. What he does with the quarterback, it's not so much the technique that he teaches with, which is, which is fine. It's the fact that he creates spacing and coverage with the focusing of the run game and he makes for simple reads for the quarterback, which is why he's so doggone hard on him to not recognize quickly enough the reads because he creates a good system. A lot of guys, it's route concepts and design and flooding of the field. With Jimbo, it's about power. It's working tight ends in the run game in the pass game. It is about forcing numbers in the box. So you reduce numbers and coverage and you could take advantage of the numbers in your favor. That's what he does so well, and he's done it very well, and I think it's aided a lot. Of, think about all the quarterbacks that he's had that have been six. E.J. Manuel and Christian Ponder, and, you know, everybody talks about, well, he only won the title because he had Jameis Winston. Like, oh, man, yeah, uh, imagine that. You have a good quarter, good players, and, and you win titles. Hey, funny how that works, you know. That, but he got more out of Jameis than, than probably a lot of people well, definitely have, uh, at least to this point in his career. So he does a good job. It's the run game, and he's got two outstanding backs, and that's got to continue for those three games that we mentioned. That's going to be the key to their success because the defense is good. The defense is really good, but the defense has to be able to get off the field and can't be on the field for 80 snaps 
like it was against Mississippi State, where they were just like on skates by the end of the game. And, and, and quite frankly, they couldn't get off the field at that point. All right, real quick before we get to the mailbag, something I teased earlier in the show, Chris, and that is something during your weekly visit with Chuck Oliver that you said, those of you, of course, know that I'm part of the Chuck Oliver Show and Southern Sports Today, about Alabama not getting the same amount of game records on defense that they have in the past. And Will Anderson is obviously a huge part of that defense. But now a lot of those guys are starting to show up at Georgia. What do you mean by that? And what are we necessarily seeing that Alabama is not necessarily getting, but that Kirby Smart and his coaching staff are now able to add? Yeah, I don't know that it's a trend. I just, the reality is, is Georgia has had, you know, I always talk about recruiting. People make the assumption, oh, anybody can recruit at fill in the blank, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, whatever. Uh, Folks, the biggest part of recruiting, it's not like, you know, 40 years ago where you can recruit unlimited players, unlimited scholarships, and you just recruit them and figure out who can play later. You have to make the right – you have to evaluate correctly, and the part of evaluating football players is relatively easy. What's difficult is evaluating the personal character and the football character. The personal character is obviously I think is pretty understandable. What's the football character? Everybody's going to tell you they love football, but how much they want to work, how much they want to learn, how important is being a great football player? to Are they a talented guy who wants to use football to get a scholarship, but they don't necessarily have that, that burning desire to be great? You've got to hit on those. And all I've mentioned is I think what's happened recently is that Georgia's done a little bit better job in recent classes of hitting on more of those guys. Alabama has had a few of those guys that for whatever reason, the Mio Ecofors, for example, those were the five-star defensive linemen that was going to be the next Ashawn Robinson, Jonathan Allens, except they're not. Why? Well, I I don't know. They just missed. I don't know. And it's one of the things it's, it's what I do on my, in my clinics in the summer is you got to scout the scouts. I do that in the NFL that we call it scouting the scouts. In college, you got to, why did we miss on this guy? It, it's not like pointing blame. It's like, what did we miss? What was there that maybe we could have done to get more information? Because when you have that, if you look at Alabama, they're really good. I would not be surprised at all if they run the table and end up in the playoffs and maybe play Georgia. I don't know. They're really good. Don't feel sorry for them. And they've got talent. But if you look at, the, the, the Even at that level, when you miss on a couple of players, it adds up. If you look at them now, they don't have – they got Will Anderson, but they don't have enough of those guys that are ready to play yet that are the dominant typical guys. They've got good ones, and they've got some younger ones that I think can be – DJ Dale I thought was going to be a great player. As a freshman, I thought this guy – Going in after the spring, the true freshman, I thought, this guy is going to be great. He's not. Injuries, motivation, I don't know. They're, they're different factors. It's not quite the same. The, to see Alabama there and on the offensive line, they got to play Chris Owens at right tackle. He is, at best, a lower-level marginal right tackle on the SEC level when he's starting at Alabama. Why? They recruited some big-time five stars. 
but they're freshmen. Where's the redshirt sophomore offensive tackle that has pro potential at Alabama? Just even the best of the best at recruiting, evaluating, recruiting, and developing, sometimes you miss a little bit. And if you miss a little bit, it may make a difference. And the reality is, is Georgia's just hit on more of those guys recently. And sometimes it's cyclical. It doesn't mean that they won't have, you know, we may not look, uh, you know, two years from now. These two guys that we just talked about at the top of the show, they may end up being great, but but the, the odds now sometimes are uh, one out of those two are going to end up being as good as we think they are just because whatever. They fall in love. They're not as motivated. They don't care. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. So that's my thought. Real quick, another Georgia note for our fans. We want to let yeah. everybody know that although they've got a bye week, they, we know they play in a certain game in a, in a week from now against Florida. News has come out that they're going to split reps at quarterback in practice and starting the Florida game, JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett are both going to play in that game, according to head coach Kirby Smart. So as a, basically JT Daniels, I'm told, has been given the uh, medical clearance to be full go to practice. So let's look for that. Uh, starting Florida week and going forward to see how they utilize the quarterbacks and where it may go from there. And also, too, trying to get some uh, injured receivers back for the stretch run. Too, oh, no question. That's another, thing. that's another thing, too, that could be really huge for Georgia is in the month of November, starting to get the Dom Blaylocks, the uh, Jermaine Burtons, who knows, maybe even George Pickens for the final, you know, three, four, five games of the season including hopefully the college football playoff, that you're able to get those guys in a good rhythm to get them on the field. Boy, that just adds another element of scariness to this Georgia team. Uh, Chris, let's close out this uh, end of the week episode with the mailbag. I want to start first with Woodshed King. We love Woodshed King, who first says go Braves. Of course, that would uh, appreciate that Woodshed King. But uh, I know that uh, he's a huge uh, Southern Miss guy, and Southern Miss likely going to the Sun Belt. Good fit, hopefully, with Marshall. How many schools – should the Sun Belt add in which schools? Uh, this is, of course, uh, Chris, coming off of the AAC adding Florida Atlantic, uh, Charlotte, North Texas, University of Texas, San Antonio, who is now ranked, by the way, uh, Rice and UAB with the teams that are leaving their conference to go to the Big 12. Uh, correct. Yeah, the AAC is adding them, as Dan mentioned. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're not going to do it because the powers that be at each conference are going to be protective of their conference, but I'm not so sure that if I were a conference USA in the Sun Belt, I wouldn't maybe try to consolidate. Um, you know, what Jack King's talking about, you know, Southern Miss and Marshall and good schools and good football history. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you can make the case that the Sun Belt is now every bit as good as the Conference USA it used to be kind of the standing. The Sun Belt was the bottom. I, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I mean, yeah, yeah you could you could have that. And I, I just do you want to do what the AAC did and have numbers and have more more schools, or do you want to have a smaller number? I mean, what's the you're not going to get the overall quality to get you a, a, a really good television network, but if you have numbers, maybe you can do it. Um, obviously, and we knew this was going to happen. The AAC went to the television markets. You know, Miami. Charlotte, uh, Dallas area, San Antonio, Houston, Birmingham, 
all TV market. So, yeah. quite frankly, you make the case that Marshall is a better football school, and not, but Huntington, West Virginia doesn't – the TV sets and the market share, that's not what they're looking for. Here's my thoughts on it real quick. I think it's it's good. I, I don't know how they do it, and I think it would be great if they're in the Sun Belt. I, I think having like teams together and to have a better schedule is important too, which is why I'd like to see them combine. I don't think they're going to do that, but we'll see. And maybe it's the Sun Belt that overtakes the Conference USA. Here's what's really happened. You know, and and I, I saw an interview today with Michael Resco. And, look, God bless him. I love him. He's the, he's the commissioner of the AAC. Well, we think now we're, we're, we can really challenge the Big 12 because we're not – God love him. Okay, but, look, just, just, just the reality of it. The Big 12 has no longer a power league without Texas and Oklahoma. Okay, but the Big 12, you know, what's the game where you see where the uh, – the the fish swallow the other thing. I mean, you basically the 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 Big Twelve swallowed the AAC. Okay, mm-hmm. the AAC they didn't want to add <clears throat> um, Rice in Texas, San Antonio, and North Texas. They would have liked to have added Baylor and Kansas State uh, and TCU. Uh, they couldn't. They not only could they not get the Big Twelve schools. They couldn't stop the Big 12 schools from taking away Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida. So the Big 12 is separated themselves from the AAC. And I think that if Conference USA and the Sun Belt come together, they may be closer to the AAC than the AAC is to the Big 12. Yet the Big 12 is not in a power league. They are a shell of what they are or what they were without Texas and Oklahoma. So that's kind of how I see it in terms of the status. But, look, I'm with you. I think having those type of games and rivalries would be would be good. No doubt. All right, let's close it out with this one. Kevin Neely wants to know, Chris, I thought it was very interesting how you said that the real story to LSU's rushing success against Florida's de- uh, defense was the inability to adjust. Well, yeah, we talked a little bit about it in, 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 the, in previewing the game against Ole Miss. Um, uh, LSU did a really good job with their counterplay, and I, I, I think that a lot of what happened last week was allowing a freedom from for their coordinators to be aggressive. I, I think we're going to see some aggressive game plans and an aggressive play by LSU, and I just beware of anybody that's playing LSU, whether it's Ole Miss, whether not so much Alabama per se, but Arkansas A&M. You know, this is a free-flowing team that's got nothing to lose right now. And, and you can see that they still have some talent, even though a lot is injured. But there's no question that a lot of the storyline of LSU's run success had to do with the fact that it wasn't overly creative. It was nice adjustments from the previous weeks, but it was about Florida not being able to adjust to that. And so I, I, I'm curious to see what Ole Miss can do. Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss has less talent on defense to defend the run than Florida does. So I do think, as I said, that the focus of the run game is going to be a big, should be a big part, and I think will be a big part of LSU's offensive game plan this week, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. But the counter trail, I mean, certainly Ole Miss is going to be prepared for it. They've seen it, and hopefully, at least from their standpoint, they can adjust to it a little bit more. But um, how will LSU be able to counter that? That's going to be interesting to see. 
No doubt about it. Well, we've got a full weekend of college football ahead. And coming up next week, we'll, of course, recap it and get you ready for the action coming up next week as well. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dan Matthews. Appreciate all you out there watching us on Twitch TV. Again, twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry Football. If you want to catch the podcast on your smart device or wherever you get your podcast needs, go to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your needs for your podcast. Chris, enjoy this weekend's games. I guess, uh, actually, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here. Before we uh, head for the exits here, uh, what do we got uh, monitor-wise this weekend for you inside the Landry Lab? Yeah, you know, and remind you, all these games, as well as every other game, every conference, you can catch on LandryFootball.com. So make sure that you check that out today. But it's a little light. In in uh, window one on Saturday, uh, we got Oklahoma, Kansas, Cincinnati Navy, Illinois, Penn State, Northwestern Michigan, Wake Forest Army, uh, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. I know people are probably saying, eh. Uh, Kansas State, Texas Tech's another one. I know, I know, not not really appetizing. Kind of like a, a, a you know, a, an old stale turkey sandwich. But, you know, it's something if you're really hungry. Nope. The middle good, window, yeah. the middle window at 2.30 Central, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Big game there. No, neither one of those teams are in the playoff mode. But that, uh, that along with LSU Ole Miss, um, Oregon UCLA, Clemson Pitt. Folks, Clemson, a three-point underdog. That pit offense, very curious there. Wisconsin-Purdue, very interesting there as well. Maryland, Minnesota. And then uh, the nighttime window, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, USC, Notre Dame. Man, well, those two rivalry games. Eh, you know, but it's there. Ohio State's rolling and will roll against Indiana. South Carolina A&M, West Virginia TCU, Georgia Tech, Virginia, uh, San Diego State Air Force, Look, uh, NC State Miami is another intriguing win. And also, Utah, Oregon State. Utah now a, more of a factor. The South is wide open in the Pac 12. Very curious to see. Go to Corvallis, and you know, Corvallis, Oregon is not the end of yeah. the earth, but you could see it from there. And even from you traveling from uh, Salt Lake City, sometimes you can get a little bit of a lull. Big win last week for Utah. They've turned their season around. This is a, a trap game for them. It is maybe the uh, most nondescript weekend that we have in terms of the uh, some Georgia's off, Alabama's kind of off. You know what I mean? It, it's like it's just not a whole lot there. So let's hope some of these games end up being really fun to watch because a lot of the favorites are playing games that not a lot there. But next week, man, we got a whole lot of big time games, including in the Big Ten. I think Michigan takes care of business against the Northwestern. And if they do Saturday, it'll be Michigan, Michigan State in an unbeaten matchup there. So it should be a lot of fun. So check it all out at LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com, people. Absolutely. Observations, evaluations from this weekend and every weekend in college football, pro, wherever you need it, LandryFootball.com, well worth the subscription, no doubt about it. Now we can officially head into the weekend. Chris, appreciate it. Everybody out there, appreciate you watching and, in some cases, listening. This has been another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. We will talk to you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.